0: It's incredible. I'm so excited to be here starting off this series called Summer Soundtrack. We're talking about hymns and old hymns that have been sung in the churches for hundreds of years. Um, but why are we talking about music? Why are we talking about music? But because music is so incredibly important. It actually sticks. You probably better remember, just think about this, the song you were listening to on the car this morning, then you, re- you have to think about harder what you had for dinner last night. Right? It sticks somewhere deep in us, even from a very young age. Uh, okay, so um, I'm going to sing a couple of songs. I'm going to start them out. I want you to finish them, okay? So it goes like this. I want to hold your... Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. Okay, what about this one? Jesus loves me. This I know. Uh-huh. How, lo- how old were you when you learned that? Ooh. Or this. The wheels on the bus go... Yeah, yeah. My mom had trouble remembering my name, but somehow she could sing all of those songs, right? (laughs) When you're talking to your kids, you're like, you, 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 this one right in front of me. It sticks in you deep. They have videos of Alzheimer's patients who literally cannot connect with anybody, they don't even know their own name or other people's names, and they uh, all of a sudden put headphones on that are connected to an iPod, and the music that they're listening to helps them to come alive because the neural pathways in your brain are making so many new connections. Music releases dopamine, which makes you feel good, and they come alive, and all of a sudden they're singing songs. They don't know what their nurse's name is, but they can sing songs from 50 years ago. Music has a way of deeply affecting our lives. And we're talking about hymns to celebrate some of these older hymns. But this is not a discussion about hymns being better than contemporary worship. This is not a discussion about new songs being better than old songs. I grew up at a time in the church, and I don't know if you ever did, where I grew up at a time in the church where uh, we had hymnals. Did you have hymnals at your church growing up anywhere? Okay. So even if you grew up at a church or didn't grow up at a church, maybe this is your first church experience. As we talk about songs like Great is Thy Faithfulness." Come thou fount, uh, 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 it is well with my soul, and be thou my vision over these next four weeks. We're going to be talking about these important, powerful songs. Even if they're brand new to you, there's something that you can learn, and everybody in this space can be a part of that. But for some of us, we grew up singing those songs in church. And we had a hymnal, and we'd pull it out, and they'd say, turn to number 449, and it would be, Be Thou My Vision. And we would sing verses 1, 2, and 4. We always skip verse 3. I have no idea. I think the worship leader just wanted to be done with the song. He's like, just go to the end. But we always did one, two, and four. And I have no idea why. And, 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 And eventually, though, churches started transitioning away from hymnals. They had pews in the back of the hymnals. And those hymnals went away. And we started singing contemporary Christian music. It was wild. We had drums in the church, which everybody said were of the devil and and my personal favorite is we had this thing called an overhead projector for lyrics it looked like this yeah you remember this and all of a sudden the hand of god would swoop down over the projector pull the song and the hand of god would replace it and he says you must sing this that's what i remember as a kid this just big hand just put it back on and, and because we didn't have those hymnals anymore, we needed a way to know the lyrics. And, and I remember being told as a kid that hymns are the only real true music of God. And, and I didn't believe it then. I don't believe it now. <laughs> I do believe there's power in those hymns. But the worship wars is what they were called. Literally, we're splitting churches. Music was splitting churches because of what people believed about it. You know, worship leaders' genes got a little tighter, tattoos started showing up on the arm made you relevant and cool you know and if you think this is a, a new problem or a problem that's already been settled we go to Northgate and there's nobody everybody's you know on board with what we're doing I remember we walked into this room and there's haze in the room so you can see the lights and people are like we don't need fog to worship God here <laughs> don't even get me started on the lasers
1: who has lasers in church
0: That was a part, it's still a part of what we do. We're always transitioning, evolving, and learning new things about God and his worship. But hymns have stood the test of time, hundreds of years. Now I'm going to explain a few things about hymns, about um, hymnals. We're going to continue to go through this. We're going to um, uh, hear about uh, Amazing Grace and talk about it and its author. So um, hymns were um, quite often, up until about the early 1800s, a collection of poems and prayers. There was no music in a hymnal. And so what we think of as a hymnal now, which is turn to page 449 and sing the song, was not what it was before. And so they would, these pastors, these preachers would write these poems and these prayers and they'd put them in a book and then they would go ahead and they could say, we're going to read this prayer today together. We're going to read this poem today together. And that was what a hymnal was. And then a hymnal evolved. Eventually people would take the written lyrics and put them with a popular song And that would become a hymn that we know today. This uh, Amazing Grace um, was actually penned in 1773. It wasn't until about 75 years later that it first showed up in a hymnal in America with to the tune of a song called New Britain. And the song New Britain went like this. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Sound familiar? Amazing Grace was penned. 75 years later, it was put to this tune and that's how it became popular. So that happened quite often in hymns, is that these preachers, these pastors would write these lyrics of of prayers down, and then later on somebody would put music to them. Martin Luther, who started the Lutheran Church, who um, helped uh, uh, develop the Bible into German and not just Latin so that everybody could read it, he, uh, he he had his book of poems and prayers, a hymnal, and what he would do is he would put some of those songs, some of those things, to popular, what did Germans know really well? German bar songs. Yes. So some of the most holy music you sang was also being sung in bars. And so that's what would happen because you couldn't teach people new songs. There was no K-LOVE. There was no, you know, top 20 Christian music. There's no internet. So how do you teach people these songs? Well, you teach them the songs they already know. And you could imagine being a German and going out with your friend. And you're not drinking too much, but they are they are and they find jesus that night and then you go to church in the morning and all of a sudden you're singing your bar songs you sang last night but with jesus lyrics so that was very very common that they would take popular songs and popular poems and prayers meld them together and they would become hymns and what we know today as hymns and what we would go into that now john newton was the author of amazing grace like I said, he read it and wrote it in 1773, but John Newton's an interesting character and he's such a part of this story of amazing grace that I want to tell you just a little bit about him. Because when he was nine years old, his mother died of tuberculosis. And at nine years old, he had been going to the church back and forth. His mom had been taking him, but his dad, who was a sailor, was absent. And so by 11, he actually became a sailor himself. He got onto the ships, and, but not just any ships. He was, <coughs> excuse me, on slave ships. So he was a part of the slave trade at a very young age where they would take three or four weeks, go down to West Africa, abduct 600 men, women, and children, stuff them into such tiny spaces that although 600, they'd arrive to port and only 200 would be alive. Such incredibly horrendous conditions, but he was on it. And have you ever heard the term they cuss or swear like a sailor? Right? Well, when other sailors are saying that you have a bad mouth, like you're at a whole different level, and John Newton was known as being an incredibly bad guy with an incredibly bad mouth. He literally made up cuss words that they had to figure out what they meant. <laughs> and then one day they're out on the boat, and, <clears throat> excuse me, they're out on the boat, and uh, a storm comes. And he's down there, and they're trying to bail out the boat with the holes and all of that. You know, boats just leak all the time anyway. So they're trying to bail it out. And he gets up on the ladder to go up on deck, and there's somebody in front of him. And as soon as that guy gets onto the deck or just right above it, a huge wave comes, washes that guy out to see they never see him again. John Newton was feet away from death. He gets to the steering wheel, and he begins uh, to hold onto that steering wheel. And you maybe have had this moment in your life. God, if you get me through this, right? Some of us are like, God, if the 49ers win this year, I'll go to church on Sunday. No, but he had this moment. He said, Lord, have mercy on us. I'm going to make a decision. If you get me through this, you get us through this, I will follow you. And so when they got through the storm and they did survive and he got to port, John Newton became the best Christian ever that day and he saved the world, right? No, it was a process. It's always a process. There's a conversion moment in his life. Now, John still wasn't a great guy, but he stopped cussing as much. He changed a few of his life patterns around. He changed how he was, but he still was the captain of a slave ship. A captain of a slave ship, a captain in the slave trade, which was the most grotesque industry you could ever imagine. It's people. They'd be taken, branded, sold as property. And he was still the captain, going down there, taking the people, and bringing them back up. And so he wasn't a good guy, but over time he began to evolve. He began to change. He began to transition. And that conversion moment with God led to 17 years later, he wrote Amazing Grace. So when he says that saved a wretch like me, do you think he meant it? Yeah. He meant it. And even from there, there was still much more evolution for John to go. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But he understood something very powerful at that moment. He had a stroke and he became a pastor and, and so because he couldn't do sail anymore. He became a pastor and then he wrote this amazing grace. And it was a much, much later time when his health was really failing and his mind was starting to go that he made a pamphlet about what happened during the slave trade. And he was in England at the time and this pamphlet was widely circulated and he worked with a man named William Wilberforce. And he was the one who helped end the slave trade in England at that time. Now John Newton lived to the year that happened and shortly after he died he was not a good person but god had saved him and rescued him and it was a process from there on out john newton is really interesting guy he's actually because of his upbringing this hymn amazing grace is a very simple song there's literally five words in it that are more than one syllable think about it amazing that's one right Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. It's so simple and so powerful that every night before I put my kids to bed when they were little, we'd snuggle and we'd sing some songs. And my son, Reese, loved to sing Amazing Grace. And so he would have his little binky in his mouth and he would request, sing Amazing Grace. And he wasn't even two years old yet. So this is, I'm going to show you a little video my wife reminded me of. When he was only 18 months, and he had a little accident here at the church where he cut his eye open and stitches and stuff. So he even looks a little bit more pathetic and cute. So, <laughs> but because this is such a simple song, he was able to memorize it and sing it along with me very easily. So watch the screen and check this out. All right. you want to sing Amazing Grace before we go night-night?
1: Yeah.
0: <coughs> All right. You ready? You sing.
1: Are you watching? Oh, you look so sorry with you, right? I sing Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound. Right. you sing it? Sing. Oh. like saved a Okay, like. I was well, I was, but now I was blind. Oh, now else? I see. There you go. Yeah, yeah.
0: He wasn't even two years old and he knew that song by heart, at least the first verse. And I, saved a witch. I love that. It's the cutest. And I'm like, yeah, you as a two-year-old are a wretch. You need to go sleep. It's the bottom line. It's so simple, but we can, miss, we can miss something so powerful because it says amazing grace. And we talk about grace all the time. We have shirts that say give grace. We, we talk about grace. But do we truly understand what grace means? Grace, put very, very simply, is not getting what you deserve grace is not getting what you deserve the bible says for the wages of sin is death but the gift of god is eternal life we deserve death because of sin in our life we ha- should have a loss of connection with god a perfect god because we are an imperfect people unless there's a perfect person in the room yeah not going to happen so what Jesus did is he came into this world and he lived a perfect life and he became the final sacrifice atoning for all of our sins. And he literally became a bridge in the gap from an imperfect people to a perfect God upon the cross. He became the bridge on which we can connect with an perfect God as an imperfect people. And, uh, and it's amazing that we can understand that, that what God gives us is grace. That be, Even though the wages of our sin is death, we get eternal life. That's amazing, isn't it? And when we wake up and we realize, I should be not in this place. I should deserve very bad things, but God is very good to me. There's a quote from John Newton, um, and he says his health is failing, his mind's failing. Um, he goes, but I'm still certain of two things. He says, I know two things, that I'm a great sinner and that Christ is a great savior. What a simple point. My memory, my mind, my body is failing me, but I know two things, that I'm a great sinner, and Christ is a great savior. I've heard grace explained like this, God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense, the gift of eternal life when we deserve death. That's what grace is, not getting what we deserve. Now, Let's talk about it in the context of the Bible for a moment. I want you to open up your smartphones, okay? If you've not been following along on the Sunday tab, I know you've downloaded the Northgate app. It's got a free Bible on it. Click the Sunday tab, open that up. You can also download that. Or maybe you've got a paper Bible. That's totally great. We're going to Romans chapter 7. And now as you're getting to Romans chapter 7, this letter to the church in Rome called Romans was written by a guy named Paul. And remember quickly that Paul used to be named Saul. Saul. Saul went around persecuting and killing and overseeing the killing of Christians, radical Jews at the time, right? People who followed Jesus. He went and oversaw their death. And he thought he was doing God's work. And then one day he was on the road, and God stopped him and blinded him. Sound familiar? Blinded him and then said, hey, what are you doing? Why are you you persecuting my people? What's going on? So for three days he was blind, and all of a sudden he said, God said, you're you're no longer Saul. You're Paul, and you're going to change the world. And he did And so Paul, at that moment, do you think he was the best Christian ever? After he wrote a Damascus experience, God makes him blind, all of a sudden he's perfect, yeah? No. Paul understood it was a process. John Newton understood it was a process. I understand it was a process. There's a moment where you meet with God and then there's a process that follows. So let's read this. Let's read this. We're going to go to verse 21. So I find this law at work. The gift of God is eternal life. But we have this nasty sin in us. We have this thing that we don't want to do this, but we do do these things. But just like John Newton says, we know these two things, that we are great sinners and that Christ is a great savior. You know, that process that happened in John Newton's life, it took a long time, almost 60 years from his conversion, for him to write that pamphlet that helped end and abolish slavery in England. It's a process in our lives. None of us are perfect in it. So if we view ourselves in the light of God's grace, we are recipients of God's good, good grace. What in the world are we not doing by giving it out? If you and I can wake up in the morning and say, God, you have given me such incredible grace. You forgive me for my mistakes, my past, my sins. And then we withhold that from the guy who cut you off on the freeway. If we see ourselves in the light and view of God's incredible grace, and we look at our parents and say, I can't believe you screwed me up so bad. How many of your parents, yeah, screwed you up so bad? Yeah, sure. Oh, I know I've screwed up my kids already. I have two, and we have a little fun to the side for counseling later on. It's all built on that. But I, I tell you this. My first son, my son's now seven, but when I held him for the first time in my hands and I held him and I looked at him, it was at that exact moment, and my dad is a good man, but he screwed me up too. Everybody does. I held my son and I said, I have no idea what I'm doing. (laughs) I thought I would. I thought I did. I'd read some books. I'd held some babies, but I had no idea what I was doing at that moment. And immediately I had immensely immense amounts more grace from my own father. Because he held me when I was a brand-newborn, and he said, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> and we're all trying to make the best of this. And so if we see ourselves as recipients of God's good grace, then it is our duty to give grace to others. We must be a people who truly give grace. What would it look like if you were on social media and somebody believed differently politically than you? and you gave them grace instead of an earful? What would that look like? It ticks me off to see Christians behaving badly. We should be, in view of God's grace, in our lives, the people who have the most grace for somebody else. That's where we should be living, friends. We need to be people who give grace now we're going to go over we have not barely talked about the lyrics of this song but because it's so simple i don't think i need to exegete or study the lyrics of the song but we are going to do a process called lectio divina it means the divine word in latin and it's a spiritual formation practice that you can do when you're reading scripture and it begins by just reading a section of scripture but before you do you say god i want something to stand out to me as i read this i want to hear something in your word And so you'll find that a phrase or a certain word sticks out to you. Now, it may be different all across the room, but as I read these six original verses of Amazing Grace, some phrase or some word will begin to stick out to you. And so I hope that through this time we get to experience that. And so I'm going to ask if you wouldn't mind closing your eyes. If you would just kind of close your eyes. And you're not, I'm not doing this to manipulate. I'm doing this so that you can focus. Okay? So pray this prayer along with me. God, let me hear what you would have for me today. Speak to me. I'm going to read these verses. Something's going to stand out to you. Something's going to leap out of the words to you. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. Through many dangers, toils, and snares I have already come. Tis grace hath brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. The Lord has promised good to me, His word my hope secures. He will my shield and portion be as long as life endures. Yea, when this flesh and heart fail, And mortal life shall cease. I shall possess within the veil a life of joy and peace. The earth shall soon dissolve like snow. The sun forbear to shine. But God who called me here below will be forever mine. I believe, you can keep your eyes closed for a minute. I believe that something jumped out to you there. A word or a phrase. And if it didn't, you can just ask God, God help Hope something going to jump out. And if you're not sure if it jumped out to you, if I said something and your heart beat it a little faster for a second, if I said a word or a phrase and your mind got stuck there for a second, that's the one you want to focus on. And I'm going to read this again. I'm going to read it again. Before we do, we pray this prayer. God, clarify why I hear this today. God, we do ask you that you do that. Clarify. Why do we hear this today? I'm going to read it again. and Maybe something new will stand out to you, or maybe something even more powerful about this will. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. T'was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace hath brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. The Lord has promised good to me. His word my hope secures. He will my shield and portion be as long as life endures. Yea, when this flesh and heart fail and mortal life shall cease, I shall possess within the veil a life of joy and peace. The earth shall soon dissolve like snow. The sun forbear to shine, but God who called me here below will be forever mine. He spoke something to you. Maybe the whole thing, did, I'm not quite sure, but I believe you had a moment with God there and I believe there's something going on in your heart. So we're going to take an opportunity as a church to sing this song together. If you wouldn't mind standing to your feet. We're not going to skip verse three. (laughs) But we will sing the first four verses here.
1: Amazing grace house the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost but now I'm found. Was blind but now I see. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieve. how precious did that grace of fear be high I first be and through many I have The cures He will my shield and portion be as long as life endures. Yeah.
0: So maybe today, for the very first time, you're experiencing God's grace. Maybe you're like John on the ship. Maybe you're like Paul on the road. Or maybe you just had a moment with God. And you're wondering what's next. We're going to be up here up front after the service is over. We'd love to pray with you. Maybe God's working something in your heart today. And you're saying, man, I just need to be a little bit better with this grace thing. And you'd like some prayer, some encouragement. You can come up front for that. After the service is over, we'd love to pray with you. I pray that God has a moment in your life this week where you get to extend that grace, that personal grace. I'm so excited as we learn theology and grace uh, through these songs over the next few weeks. So if you wouldn't mind if you put your hands out just like this in a a response to receive a, a blessing. May we, and may you, be a person who in light and in view of God's grace in your life have the ability to extend it extravagantly in this world for others. May we truly be known as people who give grace. God bless you guys. Amen. We'll see you next week. See you.